Hello, guys. This is a special uh, promotion, special uh, open guard cast uh, guest co-host uh, named Michael Sears. If you guys want to uh, go to electionperformance.com and use our discount code OpenGuardCast25 to get super thick and swole like, uh, like Hillbilly Hammer, then you guys are more than welcome to. Uh, please use that discount code and uh, watch uh, Flow Grappling, who's number one. I'll update the rankings one day. Uh, but here we are with Daisy Fresh, uh, Spatzilla, Jacob Brooks, and Daniel Donnell. So my name is actually Jake Watson, and that was not Michael Sears. Ha, got you. You're all, yeah, you guys got fooled. So uh, we're here, Open Guard Cast number 72, I believe, joined by Danny O'Donnell. And we are here, yeah, with Jacob Brooks. So Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really excited to have you. You and uh, I remember I, I saw you guys at Pan Ams and not American Nationals. I know I saw Alejandro at American Nationals, but I saw you and your lovely wife at uh, Pan Ams, and it was great to see you guys there. We haven't talked since then, but it's good to have you on, man. What's up, guys? What's going on? Yeah, I just uh, I, I've I've developed that Michael Sears impression over a uh, a you know you I trained. You definitely got to work on it. I got to work on it. <laughs> Michael Sears. Work on Michael Sears. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, I know he's. Uh, I don't hang around Michael Sears too much. He doesn't like he's, that I have an impression of him neither. He, he's a great guy, man. He's an absolutely great guy. He's done a lot of stuff on us, and he's been hanging out with us before we, we were anything. You know what I mean? So yeah. he's from Chicago. He's a good dude, man. He does a lot of good stuff for the sport. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, I just tease him. It up. I think, yeah, yeah, it's good. A little bull busting every now and again ain't a bad thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I seen you last at, um, yeah, it was Pants. Now I remember, yeah. And then uh, I'm not sure if I've seen you at American Nationals. I, I think I might have seen you walking around. You're pretty tall, so it's hard to miss you. But <laughs> Were you at American Nationals? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, we uh, we only competed in Nogi, though. So did you do Nogi or just the Gi? Only the Gi. That's why I saw Alejandro. Yeah. Because so he was there the day he might, before. He might have been the day before. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was coaching there as well, but we were on opposite side of the mats. Uh, he, he covered a couple people. Uh, his brother competed for the first time in the Gi um and then we had uh chad compete one of our masters guys and then someone from uh just a good friend of ours from our like affiliate gym down there that competed so not many but we had a whole crew of the nogi stuff mm. that's awesome all right dang well uh to get started i like to ask this question first uh we, we i know that uh you know the again the foot grappling team has put together an amazing and captivating coverage of daisy fresh and um i remember the very first time i ever found out Anything about you guys was Heath. Uh, I had a very serious conversation with Heath at Nogi Pan Ams in 2019, and he was like, "Listen, dude, you have to understand that Andrew only eats orange chicken and drinks Monster Energy drinks." And I was like, "Are That's you, real. are you kidding me?" And he was like, "No, I'm not kidding. I've tried to get him to stop, and he just won't. Like he does what he eats." And I thought he was kidding. Like there was no way that Andrew Wiltsey, who is super talented and a high-level athlete, ate like that. I eat orange chicken, and I feel like my stomach is actually like anthropomorphizes into a hateful person and is uh, hurting me from the inside where the line between addiction and devotion is drawn but he's definitely a devoted man to orange chicken and, and monsters that's for sure it's but ridiculous he'll beat your ass either way no matter what the fuck he eats i, I, I think he yeah. us and he'll still roll the same he's just a, <laughs> he's built different from other people he's special <laughs> oh, i bet but uh i remember when when flo started doing the daisy first stuff i was like man these guys are all like you guys have this amazing camaraderie and this amazing like the, you guys are truly a, a very tight knit family, and it's super cool to see. But I have to like one thing that I got to think is like man to get to like some a place like Daisy Fresh, a very special gym like Daisy Fresh. How how did you even come to know the guys? Like how did you get started in jujitsu? I I want to hear the story. 
I got you, man. Yeah. Um, well, obviously I started in Australia. Um, it's like a, a little island, not very big. It's actually like 85% of the size of the United States, which most people don't know. Um, but jujitsu about like three or four years ago, uh, probably I'd say four years ago. Now I started, um, I started in like a small gym on the Gold Coast. So it's like in Queensland, the top right of Australia. So it's like sunny, beautiful beaches, you know, girls everywhere you grow up. You sur- I surf my whole entire life. Um, I was about 16 or 17. I was tiny. I was like, let's say pounds. I was like 125 pounds, maybe 130 pounds. And I got, I got bullied. I fucking, I was, I was a nerd, man. I sucked. I, I didn't really have many friends and I didn't really, I didn't really know what to do, you know? And, um, my old man told me that I should try Kung Fu. And I was like, yeah, like that looks real. You know, that that's going to help me defend myself. These guys like throwing karate chops around and I went to a Kung Fu school and I was like, what the fuck are these guys wearing? You know, and they're wearing jeans and I'm rolling around on the ground. And I was like, this, this shit does not look like Kung Fu, you know? And I watched a bunch of Bruce Lee stuff and I thought that's what I'd be doing. But I met a guy named um, Yoshi. His name's Yoshi Hasegawa. He's a, a black belt, a Barbosa black belt, actually, from like old school Brazil times. He's under like Hey Diego, like Carlson Gracie style. Um, and he's tough, man. He was really cool. And I, I started out in a little gym in Noosa Heads in Queensland when I was about 16, 17. I trained probably three or four times a week, you know, but I was just, I didn't really understand you through that time. I was just showing up like after school and stuff and just training a little bit. And I was still trying to like get ready for college or whatever it was or university as we call it. And I, di- I didn't really think it'd be something that I'd really get into like this, you know, um, but after a little bit, I ended up actually moving out of home when I was about 16 or 17. I got kicked out. Um, and then I moved up to like North Queensland, rural. Uh, and I quit jujitsu for like a year. I was uh, I was working full time. I was selling mattresses. That was like the first jo- job that I got. Uh, I was going clubbing like every, three times a week, four times a week, like drinking, doing drugs, doing dumb shit, stuff that definitely didn't help my jujitsu. But um, after that, I was like, suddenly, man, I just woke up and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And I moved back down south to the Gold Coast, uh, and then I started training at, at a gym that's now called um, – it's called Combat Training Academy. It's like CMBT. Uh, it's a pretty big gym in the Gold Coast now. They're like uh, MMA and jiu-jitsu, and under, his name's Miles. He's really cool. And I trained there for a little bit, and I actually got or like Orlando Sanchez over for a seminar. So he was in Sydney, and I messaged him, and he sent me a big message back in capital letters telling me – ADCC champ, motherfucking this, motherfucking that, excuse my language. Um, and he, he actually came out for a seminar and I just really liked him, man. You know, he, he was crazy, but he told me that the world championships were going, this was around June, like 2016. And he told me that the world championships were going on. And I was like, man, look, I train three times a week. I'm going to go to the worlds and I'm going to win. You know, that makes complete sense. Um, so I, t- I walked in and I was working pretty much like 60, 70 hours a week at this mattress place. You know, I, I was like a, a pretty top tier salesman and I worked my way in, um, to like a pretty decent position. I, and eventually I was like, uh, I walked in after I had the seminar with Orlando and he, and he told me that I could come to Los Angeles at his gym in Pasadena and, and I could compete at the world and I could stay with him and I really should get a chance to train out there. And I, um, I walked in and told my boss and I was like, I can't really do this anymore. Uh, I booked a flight to LA in two weeks. I'm going to leave. And I, I can't, I left for like a month and he was like, Oh, well, you know, you can come back. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I might come back. I might not. And he was like, all right, well, there's a position open for you, you know, and if you want to come back. So I bought my flight, man. And, um, I paid my rent for like three months or like two and a half months or whatever the, the Esther is. I think it's like 90 days or something that the, 
the US is like allows you to stay without like a full time visa. Um, and then like a week and a half later, I, I packed my bags and everyone at the gym says like see you later to me. And I, I went out there and um, I met Orlando. He came and picked me up from the LA airport and he's nice. Uh, I think he was in like a Cadillac or something at that stage. And you're blaring like rap music. And um, he took me to the gym, man. And when I went back to the gym, there was this dude sitting in the corner. And he was sitting against the corner. He was facing the wall with a giant tablet. And he was playing this little dot game on his phone. And it was actually Bird. And he was the first one that I met. And uh, I walked over to the corner. I, I tried to talk to him. And he just stared at me. And he just nodded his head. And then he just looked back at his tablet and didn't say anything else to me. Um, <laughs> it, it took him a little bit to get used to talking to people, you know. Uh, and then after a little bit... um we kind of became friends and he told me about where he's from and how he sleeps on the mat and this little place in Illinois. And I didn't really understand anything about, um, about where it was, you know, I thought the palm trees and sunny places were everywhere in the United States. I just had no concept of what, what this place was, you know? So I trained with Orlando a little bit there and I had some roles with bird and I think I got there about a week before the, the worlds were starting. So, you know, everyone was gearing up to get ready for like a, a pretty big world championship. Like everyone has their camps and stuff like that. Training gets pretty hard. Um, but I just didn't know what training was, man. You know, the gym that I came from, you, we, we taught a little bit of technique and we rolled like two or three times, you know, and I, I had absolutely no concept of what it really took to win at the highest level, whether it be like opens or all the worlds and stuff like that. You, you really have to be like a top tier athlete to, to come close to winning something like that. And um, I, I eventually... Uh, competed the next week and I got armbarred in like 45 seconds so some dude that sucked and I cried and I walked over to Orlando and I was like crying and he's like don't fucking cry you know like th this should you should be happy you know you've had the opportunity at like 18 or 17 or whatever age I was to to know like what it takes to be like a world champion you know this should be a lesson for you you know so and it's funny the week that was coming up to it Heath and the guys came down and they stayed at Orlando's you know and He's a really busy guy. You know, he was running off teaching at all these academies. He's got five or six gyms, you know, and I had some free time and I just, I was a little nervous. I didn't really know where to go, you know, and so I was sitting in the corner and playing on my phone or whatever and Heath was a brown belt at the time um, and he came up to me and su like super polite, you know, and I was so taken aback by like the way he sounded like compared from like an LA accent, accent to like the Midwest, <laughs> you know, I I didn't even know what he said to me the first time. I was like staring at his mouth the whole time and I just couldn't believe how he sounded, you know, and he told me where they came from and he's like, yeah, you know, this is Andrew and he was a blue belt at the time and then Bird was, a, I think, a blue belt as well and he bought these white belts with him and I just got beat down so bad. Like these white belts, man, they just like toriandered me to death, you know, like side to side past me, maybe 15 times a roll, like like shove my face into the mat when they're on their back they were like grabbing my nose and like digging their fist into my chin and throwing me around dude and i got beat up by everyone from the crew you know i just got put through the ringer as they say like in a washing machine and i was like who the fuck are these guys like what the fuck are they doing man you know um bird would help me with a few stuff like during the week and i and he i, I realized that he knew a lot you know what i mean he could just like coax and he was just beating everyone up and eating panda and loving la you know so and then so he's funny. like, um, look, man, why don't, why don't you come out with us? You know, so they were going to show you all, but I just didn't know what that was at the time, you know? And I was like, I guess I'll just go to this random company. You know, I, I just didn't really understand it, you know? So he took me with the guys. He took me in the van. He, he did what he does with everyone. You know what I mean? Treats him like family, um, treats him like a real dude, no matter what. Uh, he told me his life, like his life story, 
stuff about the gym, like what he's trying to do, you know, and the, the gym was really small at that time. There was like, like only a couple white belts and Andrew was really like the, the spearhead, which, which he still is today, you know, but we've got a lot bigger crew. Um, and eventually what's up. And eventually then, you know, I, I hung around with them and then we did the world and stuff together. And I was like, man, I really like these guys, you know, and I, I love, I loved Orlando's gym as well. And I was like, I, I think I'm going to come back, you know, but I stayed for like, two months i think it was in la they left after like two three weeks they left andrew there they stranded him there it was hilarious uh it's so funny he still talks about it today he's really cranky about it um but when he got left there he was teaching me some good stuff you know but that's that's it that's like a like a small story of how i met heath and the guys you know that's fantastic yeah that's that's a crazy story so i feel like when you left you had that good job going like your boss told you that you would have it if you wanted to come back was that something that was ever tempting for you like hey i have this good lifestyle back home i could always go back to that or once you left was it like all right screw this place i'm out it was tough man you know what i mean um i was earning like 70 to eighty thousand dollars a year you know i was an 18 year old kid i could buy whatever i wanted you know what i mean i I, i had myself set up to work an incredible job you know they offered me so many things like within the company but I don't know, man, you, you know, you get so many opportunities in your life and so many chances to, to really do what you want, you know, especially when you when you put 100% into anything you want to do. I just really felt like I could get that opportunity in no matter what I wanted to do. You know, I could always go back to that when I was 40 years old or 35 years old and I could work 70 hours a week and be unhappy and earn all that money, you know. So yeah. I'm really glad that I had that mindset at the start, but I just seen how happy these guys were, man, and, and they had fuck all. They had absolutely nothing, you know, and – and it, it's really hard to explain, but like Jake, I'm sure you know when you speak to Heath, he's a special guy. You know what I mean? And the way he explains stuff to you, and and how he really gives you a different outlook on life, it, it's something that's really, really, really hard to understand. You know? And when I talked to him, and for the first time, I had someone that really told me that, look, man, you can really do whatever you want to do. You know? And I know it sounds cheesy and and all that stuff, but him helping me understand that was massive. You know? And when I went back, like like you just said, it took me a little bit to really make the decision you know after i did the worlds and i flew back home i went back to my normal lifestyle you know i ironed my shirt i put my really nice dress shoes on i I walked into work and i I did everything that i normally would do you know and um one day man i was just i was walking around and i was talking to these guys and they just had nothing you know what i mean i like right now i have a family you know what i mean i've got so many experiences and so many things that have happened to me in the last four years that i I can't put a price tag on you know and when i was in that sales room the guys were like i was the youngest guy by 20 years you know and these guys were like yeah i've been working here for 30 years i've been working here for 40 years you know what i mean and i just i didn't know if i could see myself doing that you know so it was scary for me like it actually like really upset me you know it made me scared that i would never give myself the opportunity to go chase dreams you know and as I was walking around, I just clicked, something clicked, man, and switched. And I walked in my boss's office and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, I'll, I'll give you some time off. I'll pay for you to go. You know, if you need to, if you need to have like a month off, you know, I'll pay you your wage. I'll pay you your commission that you normally get. And I said, look, Roger, I'm really, really sorry, but I can't do this anymore. And I took my shirt off, put my other shirt on. I said, here you go. I don't want any of the money. You don't have to pay me. I don't want any of the commission. I just... I'm going to shake your hand right here and I'm going to have to walk out. That's it for me, you know? And that was about like two or three weeks after I got back from LA, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I still had to pay rent. I was living on my own. I've, I've lived on my own since I was like 16 or 17 years of age. You know, I've never known anything different. So 
it was a little daunting to know that it was all on me. You know, I, the money that I had was probably all that I was going to do, you know, and finding work and paying bills isn't the easiest thing as, as everyone knows, you know, so it, that, that should explain to you the impression that Heath gave me, you know, for sure. Yeah. The other thing that really stood out to me about your story was like when you competed at Worlds, you said you got armbarred in 45 seconds. So it yeah, wasn't like away. you were you were on the cusp of winning or something. And you're like, oh, if I just make this move, I'm going to win. Like no. you kind of probably had – you probably felt like you had like a long road ahead of you. Yeah, man, right? look, look, in the, in the simplest way, I fucking sucked, man. I <laughs> sucked. Like I, I was maybe like – I probably couldn't even want a white belt open as a blue belt, you know. And I just didn't know what real jiu-jitsu was, man. I didn't know how to compete. I didn't know how to train. I didn't know what a hard practice was. I didn't know what to eat. I didn't know how to approach anything, you know. I was I was literally like the greenest you could be. I was weak. I was small, you know. I I was inc- like incredibly anxious all the time, you know what I mean. I, I didn't have a very good mindset. I would always defeat myself, you know. So even though I knew that I had a long road ahead – ignorance is bliss you know i didn't really yeah. understand what was ahead of me until i i was in the mix of it you know so do you want to talk a little bit about that transition period like you didn't know what real training was like and then you jump into to heath's training room at oh, daisy man. fresh and everyone's I, just probably you know wiping the mat with you so what Dude. was that like transition like like going from taking beatings all the time to where you finally felt like you could hang with these guys and you were part of the group it, it took such a long time man you know but what made it easier was the the crew around you constantly telling you that it's it's all good you know what i mean like i know that i'm beating your ass right now but there'll be the day you know no matter what happens in the training room when you compete is what really matters and and, and getting your ass handed to you in practice is what's going to give you that you know like my first time that i i went out to heath's gym you know i I, um, it was freezing. It was like December and all I bought to the Midwest was like sweatpants and a jumper, like a hoodie. You know, I had absolutely no idea what cold was. I grew up on the beach, you know, and I got off the, I got off the plane and I was like, what the fuck, where am I? And And I thought there were going to be palm trees when I got in St. Louis, like in in (laughs) Illinois. No. And I was like, this is not palm trees. There's cornfields and tractors everywhere and it's freezing. What's going so on? Crazy. Why am I doing this? You know, and I legitimately thought that. I know I sound stupid, but I really thought that's what it would be like, you know. And I got on the. It's like an. It's like a um like a little Amtrak, you know, a train that goes to Shiloh, a station. And uh, Heath and Alejandro were driving to pick me up, and Heath actually called me, and he's like, "Look, I'm not going to make it to the to the airport. You're going to have to jump on this train." And he says it goes through a really dangerous area, and it's East St. Louis. You know, they have the highest murder like murder rate in the country. You know, and I jumped on the train and he's like, look, if anyone talks to you and anyone says anything crazy, rip all your clothes off and scream and pretend you're a crackhead and no one will fuck with you. And I was like, all right, like, I like this guy. <laughs> I got I got on this train and, and we went through and and I, I stopped at the stops and the first stop wasn't too bad, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, this can't be that bad, you know. And then the second stop, I was like, oh, OK, you know, some wild people are getting here. And then the third stop was in the middle of East St. Louis and the doors open and there was 50 people outside and like four fights going on. Everyone was throwing hands. They're like world style screaming all this stuff. And these dudes on the train were throwing dice on the ground and they were trying to get me to like pay him money. And this guy came up to me with CDs. and He was like, what's up, man? What's good? You know, I got this new track, man. He's like, you want to buy it? It's like, ten bucks, you know, and I was like, nah, man, I, I don't have any money. You know, I, I only have like Australian currency. He's like, nah, man, I mean, I got these tracks, you know, you want to hear it. And I was like, no, no, I mean, like, I can't pay you right now. I, I sorry. You know, he's like, damn dog you know and then this little kid came up to me he was like 14 man and he was like had dice he's like you want to shoot some dice you got any money and i was like no i don't and then uh 
I just I just learned that I was in the army because I had like a green duffel bag with me. Um, and then they left me alone. I just said that yeah, I'm going to the army base up the road. And then that was it. Then you fuck with me again. But eventually got off the stops and I got off at Shiloh and it was all good. But it was just really funny. That's insane. That is that is like <laughs> I can't imagine that because I have I've never been really put in that situation. Like I've been to Brazil, but I was with a Brazilian guy who could just like take care of the situation for me. You were like in the thick of it, had to take care of it by yourself. That's insane. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Like I, I've been uh, before that. I've been to Cambodia, you know, and I went to the, like the middle of Cambodia where some stuff was pretty crazy over there. You know, people had missing limbs, and you know there was like war stories everywhere. So I, I knew like tough stuff, you know. But I had, I had money, and I was enjoying myself. You know, it wasn't like uh, I was in any danger really. I was with a tourist guide and stuff, just like you. So when I came out here, I was like, fuck. I expected him to pick me up, and he told me that actually a semi truck flipped on the road as they were driving and they couldn't even make it, you know, it covered the whole road. So it was pretty wild. But like you talked about, I'm going to answer the question. Sorry, I was rambling a little bit, but no, with the transition, you're good. Um, when I actually went down, uh, he picked me up from Shiloh Scott, you know, he grabbed me and he made jokes with me and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm really tired. It's a 17 hour flight. That's from Australia to LA. You know, it's pretty brutal. Um, and I had to wait a few hours there. So I'd been awake for about two days, you know? So, I was pretty messed up and I was like, well, to Heath, I was like, oh, am I going to go to your house and sleep, you know, before we train? He's like, no. He's like, we're going to go to the gym, practice. We're going to make practice easy. And I was like, oh, like, fuck, you know, <laughs> we drive for the 40 minutes and I, and I get into the gym and, and the first thing that hits me is the smell, man. I like walked into the laundromat and opened the door and I was like, what the fuck is this place, dude? And I looked around the cracked mats, the, the boxing gloves on the wall, the rolled up mats, the Wilties in the corner playing games, you know, and it was just wild. There was so many things to take in. I just couldn't believe it, you know, and I walked in the gym and, and everyone was just staring at me, you know, who's this kid with a nice haircut? He's skinny, you know, I was fresh meat, you know, they were ready to kill. They were like, literally, I could yeah. see them drooling, like. When someone comes in the gym now, I'm like, man, this is how they felt. I asked <laughs> myself when I first walked in, you know, and Heath, Heath introduced me. He's like, this is an Australian kid. You know, he's come down to, he's come down to visit, you know, and um, I, I walked on the mat. I put my gi on, you know what I mean? And then I, I started training and it was like all a blur. Like I was dizzy. Uh, he, it was hot, man. Like it was hot inside when everything got like started sweating, you know, and it went from like frigid cold to like brutal heat in the middle, in that like little like sweat box, you know, and we started training, you know, I think we started, it was like, I think it was a Sunday. So like we pretty much right, got right into it. Like our Sunday practices are just like two hours of absolute, just let's go, you know? So I like started and we started with like positional drills in the guard, you know, and then I got killed. I got tapped 500 times, you know, and then the girls tapped me out, bro. Like I got tapped out. <laughs> like tiny little like 110 115 pound girls and then little kids and everyone just beat me down man and it was so hard i couldn't breathe and then you know he was like coaching everyone and doing his normal thing and we started live rolls and then before i knew it i was like lying on my back on the mat and i was like oh my god what am i doing here what have i done to myself you know so it was pretty wild man but i didn't have a choice i had to stay i couldn't leave <laughs> for sure so how long did it take until you felt like you were giving the guys tough rounds because like you said you got beat up for a while i know that it's kind of a transition like a learning phase and it takes a while but i mean you've yeah, only man. been there for four years you said yeah about three and a half four years now you know and I, at, the, at the start i was on and off you know the hardest part was like in the beginning i would i would go to like psf for three months you know and then i would go home 
I would barely train, you know, and then I would come back to this. The hardest part of the start for the first like three to six months was like just getting used to the training. So like mm -hmm. it took me six solid months, like plus even because I had to go back and forward. So I'd say a year to even get my body used to the training. You know, I used to be so fucked up from practice. Like after we rolled at night, I would sleep 12 hours. I would sleep all the way through to the drilling session at 12 o'clock. I would barely be able to move when I woke up. Um, I would drill and then I would sleep for three hours before night class. We would train and then I would sleep for 12 hours. And that's all I would do for the first six months. Like I could, I didn't want to go anywhere. I could, could barely stand up after the practices. Like my, my hands hurt so bad from grabbing the gear and the drilling. And my mind was so shot and so beat down just from like, you know, jujitsu is funny, man. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you have to have this mental toughness about you all the time, you know, and we go through our ups and downs with, because practice is tough sometimes. Sometimes you do good and sometimes you don't do good, you know, and, and it took me a while to, to understand that that's not an indication of how you're going to compete, you know, but when you don't know that, it's it's tough, you know, when you think that you're going to see a clear progression in your jiu-jitsu and you realize that it's like if someone a toddler got a pencil and drew all over the page, that's about what it's going to be like. <laughs> it was tough to understand that. For sure. My goodness, you have had a, uh, you've had an interesting... <laughs> very interesting start in jujitsu so yeah. what would you say are some of your favorite like competitive memories with uh with the daisy fresh guys since you guys are i mean you guys are like a band of brothers there's got to be some pretty crazy i mean competitive stories that have happened probably on your guys i mean you guys go to tournaments in a in like a like a sem like not i don't want to say a semi truck but like in a yeah. truck right yeah now dude that's nice bro that's like fancy compared to like what we used to go in like it's hobby <laughs> now because we've got more guys and everyone can chip in but when we first mm -hmm. went we were just in little cars man we would just go in these cars and we would sleep on the mats in the gyms you know like uh when we compete in the chicago open we'd go to uh like carlos gracie school carlson gracie school excuse me and we would sleep on these mats you know what i mean and then we would train the next day but um i can't remember i think the first time that i competed with psf i went to a fuji and it was like an hour away you know and all the guys were gearing up, you know, you, you bullshit in the car and you have fun. Everyone tells their stories and stuff like that, you know, and uh, we went to St. Louis and, um, oh dude, I fought this like black dude, this little, little dude that was so strong, man. His name's Cortavius. I remember his name and I put him in close guard and he was like, all right, you know, like set up your triangle. He was coaching me and I put him in a triangle and he picked me up above his head, like rampage and boom, like slammed my head. It was like the worst thing ever. And then, and then, uh, this is when I knew that Heath was different and I, and I stopped and I was like, okay, he's going to DQ the match. And Heath was like, don't fucking DQ him. Don't DQ him. Continue the match. Fuck that. He's like, we ain't scared of shit. Continue the match. Let's go. And so I was like, all right, like, thanks for asking me, but I was like, I guess we're doing this, you know, and I get put him back in close guard, put him in a triangle and he picks me up above his head and goes, boom, second time slams you on my fucking head. And this time I just continue, you know, I finished the triangle or whatever. And, and he, I talked to Heath about it after, and he's like, look, man, he said, uh, he said we're different. We ain't like that. He said, we're going to finish the match. You know, we're not trying to take a DQ. We're trying to win, you know, and you're going to show them that you're not scared. It doesn't matter what the fuck happens. We're ready for anything. We're ready for it at any time, and we're ready to go. He said, and I was like, all right, then, coach, put me in. <laughs> That's that pretty is awesome. awesome. <laughs> there's, been some, there's been some weird, like, have you ever had a, a story like that, Danny? Like, something that, like, you weren't really in control of? I've been kicked out. I've been banned. So I, uh, when I was a kid, I competed in a kickboxing tournament and, uh, my dad, I got a bunch of blood on my body and my dad was like, he took a picture and then, um, he was like, that's awesome. And then we got banned from the tournament series for life. Like they were like, you cannot come back here. 
And I was like, that's like the only time I've ever been in the situation, I think, in tournament. Other than one time I got like, I got headbutt in tournament because uh, the guy got mad at me. And for the sake of, you know, keeping the names. So he's my buddy now, but yeah, he went crazy and like, you know, called me a bunch of mean names and headbutt me in the chest during the, <laughs> during the uh, fight. But I feel like the situations like that are few and far between. Have you ever had a situation, Danny, in tournament where like you were just, it was just super uncomfortable and you didn't know what to do? uh not really to be honest <laughs> nothing like that <laughs> nothing like Damn. your guys stories so i'm pretty lucky well jay why well, i feel i still feel like my story is not as crazy as jacob's that's yeah. uh and you guys you guys all have your own awesome unique personalities too like alejandro has like this uh you know he's really that guy's not only is he really funny but I see him sprinting before fights. Like he is like running up and down, getting crazy warmed up before he goes. Um, but I'm gonna ask you guys: Do you guys find? Do you guys feel that yeah. you want to compete more in the gi only, more in no gi only, or do you guys kind of do both as a gym? Yeah, we do both, man. We, we I think we're like one of the only gyms at the highest level that that like 95 to like 100 percent of our guys like do gi and no gi. You know, like our practices are really mixed up. We're trying to compete at the highest level of both. You know, uh, I think we're a little bit better at no gi just because we 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 wrestle a lot. We're really rough, you know, and we're really mean, so that mixes really well with no gi. Um, but we definitely do both. You know, like we're we're always competing in everything we possibly can. I think. The only time ever that we've competed that was American Nationals where we just did nogi, but it was because we did the nogi pans like the week before, and and it was like two hundred and twenty bucks to sign up for both, and all of us were like, all right, we'll just get it in real quick and do the American Nationals in nogi, and and that's it, you know. But we're lucky enough that we we get the opportunity to do both. It, it kills your fingers going back and to, backwards and forwards, and the game's so different. But um, I think if you're smart enough and you train the right way and you and you really thanks man and you really get down with everything that you can compete at a high level with both you know but it's so different man so different mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i would have sure. to agree i do so want to compete want... nogi as well but i actually wanted to ask danny when he's going to go back to nogi before he asks you the next question oh. <laughs> uh i don't know i don't we don't really have like a bunch of nogi classes right now just because our gym's so growing so I kind of want to train Nogi consistently. Like you said, Jacob, it's like really different. I feel like the controls are different. The gripping sequences are really different. Okay. Yeah, that works. That works. No, he just said he's cutting out. We're cutting out. So. Oh, okay. We will be back with Jacob we will be, in a minute. We will be back. I, uh, yeah, yeah my gym's kind of in a similar situation as yours, Jake. I know you've explained it on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. Like, You guys don't have a like, consistent no-gi program, and I feel like it's the same for us. We're still growing as a gym, so we don't have tons of no-gi classes. And I feel like if I compete in no-gi, I definitely want to be well-prepared and training no-gi consistently. Exactly. And you know, now that Jacob is uh, – now that Jacob is broken up and he can't really hear us, I just got to take a minute to say if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, you probably see that that mullet, that absolute. <laughs> oh, you're all right. He can hear us. Oh, is he good now? Yeah. He can't yeah. hear us. Oh, yeah, he can. Okay, okay. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, keep going with the mullet uh, talk. Does that thing have its own uh, cellular connection? Can I connect to that via Wi-Fi? Because hot yeah, damn, I, that is a. I do that it's like an antenna. Uh, I have to disconnect from the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Uh, it's much better now. You can keep going, but you can keep talking about me. It's all right. Keep going. Well, yeah, we invited <laughs> you on the show to talk about you, so uh, <laughs> that was kind of why you're here. But um, yeah, I have a question. Uh, don't mind, Jake. I do. No, no, no. That's what actually I was about to set up your question because I know that I interrupted you before. No, you're good. Okay, so you talked about how in training, like you had a lot of days where, like, basically you're getting beat down, and then you know you mix good days with bad days, and at 
at the time it was hard to realize that like, okay, you need these bad days and they're not necessarily indicative of how you're going to perform in a tournament. So do you remember the first tournament where either you won or you just performed really good and you're like, okay, I can get my ass kicked every day and still get awesome results in tournaments? Yeah, man, I went to the Orlando Open and and I wasn't even going <laughs> to, he just told me, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I was, um, the first time I was going to sign up, I was going to do the Orlando Open. Um, and I actually wasn't even going to compete. You know, I was in two weeks. And at that time, it was 2017. And I was cutting down to Light Feather. It was going to be my first time to cut to Light Feather. Um, Heath had actually told me, he's like, you know, you're really close to that weight. And if you want to take it serious, he said, I think you should do the weight cut down there and you'll perform a lot better. You know, and I was in Australia for like three months. And I was working for to save up for my next trip. And I, all I ate was like a boiled egg a day and a couple handfuls of nuts. And I made it down to like... 143 144 or something crazy like that i was like like string and bone um and i competed at lando open and alejandro was the one that actually like convinced me to compete he's like look man come with me on this like like vacation we're going to go to my parents house and stuff and i was like no you like you compete i'm not really ready for that yet you know what i mean i'm not i'm not doing too well and stuff like that and he's like fuck that what are you saying don't be crazy like you got to get the mat time you know you have to get the mat time and that's how you're going to be better at it you know and I was like, all right, then I guess I'll sign up, you know, not expecting to perform at, at all, you know, because I lost for quite a long time, you know, for like a year and a half solid with the team, I would go everywhere and we would go to the Fuji's or the, the locals and we would go to the the big ones and then we would like go to the world and, and Andrew and Bird and Alejandro, George, you know, all these guys that were around at that time, they were all winning, like all the white belts were winning, the blue belts were winning, the purple belts were winning, you know, and it was tough to be around at first, you know, when you're the only one that like doesn't even take a medal home, you know, it was tough. But when I went to the Orlando Open, I cut like eight pounds the night before, you know, I, I didn't eat for like two days and I competed and I like submitted all three of my guys. Like I felt the best I'd ever felt, you know, and it was the first time that when I was in there, I stood in the bullpen and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, it don't matter what happens. Let's go. I'm going to send it every single match and we're just going to see what happens, you know? And I beat a, I beat a dude that was really good. He like meddled at the pans the week before, you know, and it was the first time I didn't really look up any of the guys in my bracket. Um, and I t- ended up tapping the guy in the finals, like really quick, you know, and I went crazy. Like I was screaming, like I won the worlds and stuff, but that was like the first time that I was like, you know what, man, like when, when I sat down at night, I, I was like, I can do this. You know, this is something that I can win at. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, it just it just depends if you want it like bad enough, you know, like that's all it is. Like no one's special. Each dude is the same. You know, it's just how much time you put in and, and, and if you're ready to go and you send it, you can do it, you know. Love sure. it. It's very true. So you talked about like no one's spe- i really like what you just said at the end like no one's special it's just about how much time you put in all that type of stuff so like do you feel like putting like because obviously you have to put a lot of time in as like an adult competitor but you know if you're putting that much time in you're probably kind of messing your body up a little bit like it's not like a long-term view a lot of times would you agree with that first of all yeah absolutely but um anything you do like that anything you do you, you're going to get a, a giant reward out of it but it has to come from somewhere you know you got to pay the piper at some time you know and it, it regardless like when people like work high level jobs they sacrifice sleep they sacrifice their family they sacrifice something no matter what you do if you're trying to be like a one percenter at it you know if you're trying to be the absolute top tier of the sport or or the field you're in no matter what you do you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere whether it's your body whether it's your mind whether it's your like i said family whether it's your downtime it's got to come from somewhere you know so i know people say a lot like you're crazy for doing this to your body you're crazy for this you're crazy for that but 
we're all going to be, we're all going to end up being 70, 80 or 90 in a fucking wheelchair being taken care of by someone, you know? So I didn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Yeah. yeah. It's not about the, it's not about the amount of days you have, it's what you do with the days you got. Right. Yeah. Shit. Let's go. (laughs) So how do you, but how do you kind of manage like that intensity? Because even though, like you said, you don't, you know, we're all going to be old. We're all going to be broken down eventually, but um, you still have to make it a certain amount of time in the sport to get like those yeah. really high level results. So like, what do you do to kind of like balance out that, that really tough training with being able to at least have somewhat of an eye for the future? You gotta, you gotta balance it, man. You know, I'm not trying to just like train every single day and, and burn myself into the ground. You know, like he, he is, um, a really, um, like, uh, what's the word? He's a brutal coach. You know what I mean? He really wants to get the most out of you. You know, he's, he's ringing the towel for everything that's got, you know, but he also understands the other side of it. And I think that's what makes him great at the same time, you know, and he knows when, when we need a mental break, you know, he knows when our training needs to slow down a little bit and he knows when we need to separate ourselves from jujitsu for a little bit to, to get a balance, you know, otherwise you just get completely encompassed and you, then you just don't want to do it anymore. It's like those, those wrestlers yeah. that wrestle division one all their life, you know, it's like, they have something like a like a 80% rate where they don't finish their degrees or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? And that just shows that they get burnt out, you know? So I think for myself, like, like solely, you know, I, of course for the body and stuff, I stretch as much as I can. You know, I do a lot of rehab work whenever we have injuries and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm constantly like, like working out and, and trying to make sure my body's as healthy as it can possibly be to get completely destroyed, you know? But I think mental and physical is really important to balance out, especially with jujitsu. Maybe mental more than anything, you know, because you're constantly in your head telling yourself, I need to be better. I need to do this. I need to be perfect at this. I need to add this to my game. Like nothing is ever enough in jujitsu. You know, every single time you finish a practice, I'm like, fuck, I wish I did this. Like, damn, I wish I could do this. I wish I was as good as this guy. I wish I would do what this guy does, you know? So I think for myself that I really try to like focus like on my own journey, you know what I mean? And, and, and do everything I possibly can that's going to make me healthy and make me perform correctly and, and take whatever I can from everyone else, but understand that the decisions that I make and the choices I make, they're going to be my own results then. If I'm just picking and choosing from everything else and, and just going crazy, you know, I'm not really going to be able to, to, to withstand that or hold that, you know, I'm going to go crazy, man. For sure. So I like kind of in line with, with that, like, to get that mental break, I imagine it's kind of hard, like living in the gym, being surrounded by all the guys in the gym all the time. Like, do you have anything that you're able to do to kind of like, I don't want to say like distance yourself, but like to get your mind clear and off of training since you're always like surrounded by it and surrounded by the people who you do it with? Yeah, it's people ask us that a lot, you know, like the, the guys that I'm with right now, I've probably been with them every single day for the last two years, every single day. I mean, every day. You know, people ask us that a lot. Like, like, is there any time that you get to yourself? And when I pee and poop, maybe, you know, like, that's <laughs> that. but, um, honestly, dude, I think that the biggest joy and the biggest part of getting away from training is hanging out with your friends and being around the yeah. people that, that love the most, you know? So For sure. when I get to spend time with Alejandro, we'll get you on later. Don't yeah, steal it next time. <laughs> Like, we'll get him on later. All the stuff that makes you do too easier. You know what I mean? You laugh, you have fun with your friends, you know, you joke around, you, you eat a little bit of panda, you play some games, you know, you drink a monster, like whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the balance you need, man. When you sit around and you bullshit and you just, you just talk about having fun and going out, you know, we travel, man. We, we hike, we, 
we hang out together, we bond, you know what I mean? And, and talking about talking to other people about your experiences and how you feel and, and really getting them in tune with what's going on, that helps us all help each other, you know? So when you're feeling down or when you feel like you need that break and you've got the friend next to you that tells you, you know what, man, you're doing a really good job. Just chill out. You know, you're doing everything you can. Like if you need a break from training or whatever, just, just sit out a few rolls or whatever. Like let's drill. Like I'll help you, you know, like it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to get away from that. You know, it helps you a lot, man. For sure. I, I think a lot of gyms like kind of have this saying like, oh, we're a family or whatnot. But I mean, you guys like are truly a family, like spending so much time around each other, helping each other. Like like you just said, you, you even know like when each other's moods are, are up or down and trying to help each other through that. So I think that's something that really separates you guys from from other academies is just like how close you are as a group. It's huge, man. And that, that also means that when we're practicing and when we're training, there's no ego, you know, because we all want each other to get better. And don't get me wrong. We're trying to kill each other on the mats. Like I want to rip Alejandro's head off, but I love him, you know, mm-hmm. so for sure. It's it a better training environment as well. When you're all trying to get it together and no one's trying to be better than anyone else. It's like, it's that beautiful mix and, and it creates like some incredible stuff. It's like an amazing ingredients to build, to make the like, most beautiful cake in the world. You know what I mean? Like you just couldn't ask for anything better to get results, you know, constant support, constant information like constant stuff like being told to you to make you a better person on the mat and off the mat like it's impossible to find that man so hard for sure i think a lot of jiu-jitsu gyms have in a in a way like i've been very inspired inspired by your guys example of just like how you treat each other and the camaraderie you have you know what i mean you guys are the example of like i mean we 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 preach this on the show all the time uh, I come from the same, I've been training at the same gym since I was 12 and I've grown a lot with my brothers in my gym in the same way that you guys, I mean, you guys train with each other and you guys are killing it. And it's because you guys build each other up and you guys support each other and train very hard within your academy and you trust in Heath and the plan that he has for you guys, as well as your guys' own plans. So I think that that's a good example that a lot of young people who are like, uh, maybe I need to go train at a gym, but I'm uncomfortable. No, just like, dude, do what makes you happy. Be around yeah. people who believe in you and want and want to see you succeed and you're going to succeed. Yeah, lo- loyalty breeds loyalty breeds success, man. It's true. You know, it's it's something that. I don't know if it's a saying or whatever, but I really feel like it's true. You know, like you said, you've been, you've been in the same gym for a long time and I'm sure that you'll do anything for your coach and anything for your students, you know, whether that means you taking a step back and them having the, the spotlight for a little bit or, or you just giving them the gi or giving him something, you know, I'm 100% positive that, that you'll do something like that, you know, and if you, if you can't do that and you, and you don't have the, the ability to take a step back or sacrifice something for, for your brother or your sister or someone around you, then it's just not going to mesh very well. You know, you're just not going to be happy, you know? Yeah, for sure. So uh, one thing that that you mentioned too is like like how tight knit you guys are and um, being able to like sacrifice for for each other. So do you feel like sometimes you get like more nervous and more happy or more sad when you watch your your friends compete versus yourself? I get fucking terrified when I watch people compete too. And I'm like biting my nails and like I look like I'm a crackhead when I'm watching. <laughs> I freak out, dude. I absolutely freak out. You know, it's because you just don't want them to lose, man. You know, and lo- losing don't matter. Don't get me wrong. You know, it is what it is. Medals don't mean shit at the end of the day, but it's good to win, you know, and when, when I see people compete, it makes me nervous, especially because when you're around them all the time and you experience the hard work they put in, you just want to see them succeed, you know? For sure. Oh, I get certainly. so nervous though, so nervous, especially when Andrew competes. I don't know why, dude. He's he's a weird fucker, you know, but I get so <laughs> nervous when he competes. I'm the same. I get like ter- almost terrified when I watch my teammates compete sometimes. Like I have to change my shirt because I'm sweating so much, like yeah. crazy stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> 
So we know we know you're teaching in a little bit. So so Jake, did you have any more questions for for Jacob before we let him go? You know, man, I don't. Uh, I just want to wish you all the best, dude. I'm definitely uh, very proud of you guys and the Daisy Fresh. I love you guys and uh, seeing your guys' journey and the the awesome stuff you're doing makes me very happy. Like I said, I've known Andrew since I was blue belt. Me and him competed in the same divisions, and I met him back then. And um, and you guys are all a okay in my book. So, dude, God bless you. Uh, I don't have any more questions. It was awesome to hear your story. I mean, at the end of the day. We like bringing people on and hearing stories, and I did, I feel like I learned a lot just by listening to the the journey that you've had, and I feel like a lot of the Daisy Fresh guys can speak of the same. So talk to Alejandro, tell him we said that uh, if he if he loses any more hair, then I'm gonna start calling him. <laughs> Better not say that, bro. He'll get on your ass. Don't be hey, yeah. not even, it's Daisy Fresh, dude. He's not Mister Clean. He's Mister Almost Clean. You know uh -huh. what I mean? So uh, <laughs> I know. Don't be like that. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Come on. I love Alejandro. Are you kidding? I see him at every tournament. I talk to Alejandro at every tournament. Tell Alejandro I love him, honestly. I'm just trying to do a little bit of ball busting as before. Everyone says really good stuff about you guys. You know, like Jake, we see you guys competing a lot and, and su succeeding at Black Belt, which is huge, man, especially for an American dude, you know, and it's just really cool to see, man. It's really cool to see people succeed. It's uh, I think a lot of people get caught up in the in the whole jiu-jitsu thing and the this gym and that gym and the beauty, of, the beauty of this and the beauty of being friends is that, like, no matter what team you're from, no matter what fucking, like, rank you are, that everyone wants to see each other compete and do well, you know? So, yeah, we love you guys, man. Like, uh, I'll, I'll talk to Alejandro. I'll make sure he gets on here. But thanks so for much sure. for having me. You guys course, are bad. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool. I owe you guys. Next tournament we're all at, I owe. I, I'm going to come out and I'm going to eat Panda Express with you guys. 100%. Come, come out. Come out. Stay in the gym. Come train a little bit. See what's up. <laughs> so I'm from Maybe. Chicago, not too far from you guys. So when I go home, I'll, I'll try and check okay. you guys out. And, you know, the, the guys, they uh, they have a place, too. So you don't have to sleep on the mats if you don't want to. But uh, <laughs> okay, there'll yeah. be a nice place for you to stay. And we'll cuddle you to sleep at night if, if you want to. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. I'm we'll talk about the first part. Maybe the second part. I You know, I sleep in the nightlight. I'm, I'm, uh, I have a, you know, I'm ticklish. So it's like, eh. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, no, not, maybe not for me. Sorry, mate. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll, I'll catch you later. All right, you guys have a, a nice night. Yeah. All right. We'll thank you very you much. Soon. You got. You be good, man. See you later. You too. Bye. Peace. All, All right, right, ladies so and gentlemen. Still recording. We are Jake. still recording. So hey, so you, know. you know what? <laughs> no, I know that. Uh, <laughs> we have to do our proper outro. Thank our proper sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. That was Jacob Brooks at Spatchzilla. S P A T C H Zilla. Z-I-L-L-A. He has beautiful hair, and uh, he moved across the world to train with the best and become a world champion at, at Pedigo Submission Fighting. If you don't know them, then you're probably not on Instagram following the jiu-jitsu scene. They have a lot of different things. We want to thank Michael Sears and the team at Flow Grappling for covering their journey. They are so fun to watch, and we want to thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of the Open Guardcast. This was episode 72. We are chugging right along. If you think you can stop us, you're dead wrong. That was a rhyme. And let's do the election performance outro. So, ladies and gentlemen, remember, um, I'm, I'm running out of ways to tell you guys about election performance. If you guys want to get thicker, meaner, leaner, and swoller than the thickest, meanest, leanest guy you know, then you have to use our discount code. There is no other way around it. Open Guard Cast 25. If you want to sound like Alex Sterner, you're going to have to take extensive classes through me for $150 an hour. Um, and if you want to look like Danny, you can't because he's the <laughs> handsomest guy I know. So... We want to thank Matakaba BJJ, Marcio Andre Academy, uh, Chill Fit Cryo, High Tier Photography. You can use my discount code for Break New Ground to get a sick, nasty gi. Uh, Jake Watson, capital J, capital W, no spaces for 10% off. Thank you to whoever recently used that discount code. 
and bought a gi. Luis messaged me and was like, hey, someone used your discount code. I'm like, Luis, you handsome devil. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and also we want to thank uh, Agro Brand because Agro Brand is – Eddie does just an amazing job with all the graphic design work. He has an amazing clothing line, and he designed the Open Guardcast logo. And there may uh, which, be another Open Guardcast logo coming soon. There may or may not be. Danny, don't you dare do that to me. I <laughs> there swear. Is. So there Danny, is. There's going to be some new designs. So no just way. Look Are out you for kidding those. me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, you just yep. I, I didn't hear about that. I, I literally this is my first time hearing about that. And now I ha- I'm I, I, I'm I'm really excited. I'm happy. I'm a happy it's guy right sick. now. And uh, you know what? You know, you know what, you guys, now that I'm in such a good mood, why don't you guys uh, I'm going to do this for you guys. I'm in such a good mood. I'm going to tell you guys to please leave us a review <laughs> on iTunes and Spotify and to watch us on YouTube. We're trying to get those YouTube views up. It's kind of interesting to be able to look at the guests that we have. They're all handsome. I don't know what happened to where you guys don't watch the YouTube and see how handsome these guests are. We have never missed. Every one of our guests have either been handsome or beautiful. And um, yeah, we want, we just want to thank all you guys. We love you. And now that I have ran out of things to ramble on, I will give the floor to Danny O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, I just want to remind you guys one, one more thing. So Jake announced it on his Instagram a couple weeks back, but he's going to be recording uh, an instructional. Um, not going to reveal the topic. I don't know if he has yet, but I'll leave I that have. to him. You have? Okay. Yeah, I've talked about it. Single leg X. So I'm going to be teaching single, single leg X on bottom and top with a few little bonuses in there. A few little, few little, you know, I'm going to be teaching a lot of ways to get under the leg. Uh, basically how I do under the leg. I know that a lot of people do that, but I believe I have a pretty unique way of approaching it. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty true. I mean, my jiu-jitsu is really not all that flashy. I'm going to tell you that I'm aggressive. I like going for submissions, but to say that I'm like some kind of Pablo Picasso of jiu-jitsu is weird. I wouldn't say that. I would say I'm more of like the average, you know, college art teacher really <laughs> fundamental really grounded good at teaching but come on like let's not get too carried away and call me some freaking messiah uh so yeah that'll be it'll be pretty fundamental stuff i'm really excited to do it uh there's gonna be some defenses in there too for some classic problems that you run into whenever you're in single leg x and some uh a proper way to do a footlock since a lot of people don't do it uh in my opinion just the most fundamental way that you know if it if it ain't broke don't fix it so yeah, hopefully you guys learn how to do some footlocks, do some uh, sweeps from single leg X, and learn how to escape it. And I'm yeah. really, 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 really excited. It's gonna be awesome. So we'll definitely keep you guys posted. We'll definitely let you know when it's up on the website, available for purchases, purchase, all that type of stuff. I'm sure Jake will have uh, a lot more to say about it, like after he does the recording. But yeah. we'll probably probably do an episode on that experience. To be honest, just what that's like. But yeah, anything else, Jake? Before I take us out? You know, man, no, no, <laughs> just just. Look, I'm looking at my reflection in the Skype mirror of this this just sick Levi kind of uh, uh, shirt that I got from Walmart for like fifteen dollars. Yeah, Jake's got a jean jacket on right now. I'm really jealous. Now I'm Christian, but this has increased my sex appeal by like at least eighty percent, at least. <laughs> and like, you're I mean, I got, it. Uh, oh, dude, I got a neck beard going on right now. I don't ha- I don't even have. I have a sorry excuse for a beard, and my hair is in desperate need of a grooming, but. <laughs> The jacket makes up for it. People don't even look at the hair. They look at the jacket, and they look at the frame on which the jacket rests, and they go, hot damn. So, uh, yeah, I have a face for radio. Anyway, uh, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Danny O'Donnell, I will leave it to you. Awesome. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This was episode 72 with Jacob Brooks, a.k.a. Spatchy, a.k.a. Spatchzilla on Instagram. So, yeah, check us out um, on Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify, and we will see you guys next week.